Hey, it's Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Now, listen, I know I missed last week, but I didn't. I recorded it. I just didn't get around to editing it. So here's the deal. This is going to be a double episode. I did this one time before. I think it works out okay. I got some stuff I want to talk about from this week. And then what I'm going to do at the end of the podcast is play last week's podcast for you. So in effect, you're going to get two podcasts in one. How's that sound? Not as good as if it was just every week. I know, I know. But let me start off by telling you that it's finally time. I don't know. It's been hmm, two years, maybe that I'm, I'm going to re- replace the tips on my Apple Pencil. Yeah, it took that long for me to get to that point. Now, here's the thing. Somebody out there is going to be like, well, I understand what's going on here. Chris always has Paperlike as a sponsor, and it finally wore it down. Well, look, let's let's dig into this for a second. I, I don't understand when people are like, uh, well, yeah, I'm not going to get the Paperlike because doesn't that wear down your Apple Pencil? I've heard that it wears down your Apple Pencil. And here's the thing. The replacement, I, I got a four-pack of replacements for... 20 bucks. Okay. Basically $5 a tip. Is that expensive for what it is? Of course. But you know, when you drive a car around, you know, you end up replacing the tires. Eventually when you use things, they wear down and some things are made to be replaceable and you build that replacement cost into the price of ownership. That's just how it goes. So, you know, yeah. And it took a couple of years and I don't know if it really was just, you know, the paper like on there. Cause I do always have a paper like when I'm writing because I love it, okay? This isn't even sponsored. I'm not even gonna put the link. I just like my paper like so much that I always have it on my actual personal iPad that I'm using. But you know, Apple sells those tips. They made them, they stock them, not because paper likes exist or screen protectors exist, but because that's just going to happen at some point. So if you're gonna use the Apple Pencil, if you're gonna pay $99 for it, I, I don't get, you know, when people are like, oh, no, I'm going to have to replace the, the tips for 20 bucks. Well, yeah, you might, just like you have to replace the tires on the car. It's just how it works. But I finally got there, and it's so nice. It feels fresh because here's what, what happened. Like, there was one side that I obviously use more, and it was getting to the point where if I didn't twist and hold the pencil just the right way, uh, it wasn't registering. It wasn't working. And it, it was kind of a, a pain, you know, for a little bit, but like a really minor pain. But it finally got to the point where it was like, okay. I got to replace it. So I ordered them online. They showed up and unscrewed it, got it in- installed. It's just it's so nice. It's like a fresh lease on the Apple Pencil. Uh, so it's been really enjoyable, actually. I've been enjoying that. Now, there are these cheapo things that they sell on Amazon that are caps for your Apple Pencil tips. It's like a tip for the tip, which is kind of weird. I haven't tried them. I've thought about it, but I just don't care enough. I've got three replacement tips here. It took me two years to wear this down. And I've thought about ordering these for the channel before and covering them as an accessory, an iPad accessory, but I didn't, and I don't think I'm going to because it just doesn't appeal. I know they're colorful, and some people are going to like that, but i just rather have the actual Apple Pencil experience. Oh, man. I just finished ordering a whole bunch of iPad accessories because I've got an iPad accessory video coming up, and... Uh, you know, so in the way that this one worked out is like we had a sponsor approach us and they're like, hey, can you do like a must have uh, iPad accessories video? And I was like, huh, funny you should ask because I haven't had some good ones around. The audience likes that. And you send me yours, which is pretty cool. I don't allow sponsors on that I don't think are cool. And yeah, I'll, I'll order a few more things. And we'll make a, a cool video out of it. And so that's coming up. I'm really excited about it. I'm not going to spill the beans, but there's some things, there's some new things in here for sure. There's a few things I've had my eye on and, you know, even one thing I've talked about before on the channel, but didn't have in hand yet because it was either a pre-release or it was out of stock. I forget uh, what the deal was, but uh, that's coming. I'm really excited about that. I might have two of those. I'm not sure. So that is going to be cool. That's coming up real soon. And I should say, I promised that I would follow up on the K7 keyboard. I promised in that video. If you haven't seen it, I published a video on the Keychron K7 RGB mechanical, really slim keyboard for Macs or for iPads. Works for both. And I talked about how it's one of my favorite keyboards ever. Actually, I called it my favorite keyboard. Now, I say that it's funny because uh, somebody asked, well, how does it compare really? Is it better than the Magic Keyboard for the iPad? If I'm using the iPad, should I get this instead of the Magic Keyboard? And I said in the video, and I stand by this, the Magic Keyboard is my favorite keyboard it's it's just the best if you're really into typing on a great typing experience it's the best typing experience in a keyboard case combo it's just too convenient to recommend anything else you know but i feel like uh the k7 is so enjoyable really enjoyable so what i'm saying is i have nothing bad to say about the magic keyboard but wow do i like this k7 now i've had some keychrons in the past 
I've had, I think, the K3 and the K4. And this K7, I think, is like a follow-up to the K4, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, I do use it all the time, as often as possible. I've even gone to the trouble of uh, kind of setting up my iPad station over in the corner of my office with a Sateki stand and a mouse just so I can take it out of a magic keyboard. I'm really kind of like reserving the magic keyboard for when I'm needing to be mobile, portable, either around the house or if I go to the coffee shop or to a meeting or something, then maybe I take it with me there. But, uh, and this is probably temporary. I go through so many phases. You guys don't understand. I get stuff in and out all the time. I'm testing them. And so, you know, uh, something's going to hit me in two months and I'm going to change everything up again. But at the moment, I'm just really enjoying uh, using this K7 because, wow. Now, I had a question and somebody was like, Chris, you are really good about keyboard recommendations and I'm going to trust you and I think I'm going to get this, but what about the noise? And um, I just, I want to clarify, this is a quieter mechanical keyboard because of the switches that I got, but a mechanical keyboard is much louder than let's say the Magic Keyboard or the Logitech MX Keys, which is something else that I mentioned in that video too. Those are the, you know, the Apple keyboards and, um, you know, a lot of the Logitechs, if not all the Logitechs, they're meant to be more stealthy, you know, so they fit in, they slot in really good in an office setting, you know, whereas the mechanical keyboard, you've got to be in the right place to use it because they can't be obnoxious. Honestly, they can be a little bit clacking away. Your coworkers could end up hating you for that. But the one that I got, and you just have to research the switches. You got brown switches, you got red switches, there's all kinds, Gatoron, optical, just you got to do your research. But as you start getting into it, some are going to be quieter than others. And some are just going to be loud. I I loved, honestly, the loud one that I had, I I think it was my K4. It was super loud. And I loved it. I really did. But I almost felt bad using it. And like I said, in the video, I would literally be able to wake somebody up in the house if I was using that keyboard early in the morning, because it was so loud. So this one is usable for me, and it's it works for other people around me too, um, in that it does have those tactile presses, but uh, it it also it's not uh, what what's the right word? It doesn't sound like you're at a firing range <laughs> when you're clacking down on these. People have been wondering, you know, what light pattern am I using? And the answer to that is there's 18 to scroll through, and then you can further change the colors of the effects. So there's 18 effects and you can change the colors of the effects, you know, times however many colors there are, including white or off. So there's a lot of options. And I've found actually that for me, as cool as the RGB stuff is, and I mentioned this in the video, it's hard to see the RGB effects in a really well lit room, even if you crank them up all the way. I've been using the effect that lights up, kind of creates a ripple effect when you tap a key and then it kind of ripples out across the rest of the keyboard and then it goes blank or black, turns off. The reason I've been using that is because it looks cool, number one, and usually I don't actually need the backlight where I'm at uh, to actually see the keys, and I can just tell like where my fingers are anyways. So so I'm not using the backlight for practical purposes. I'm really just using it for the effects because I like it. But the thing is, the more lights that you use, the lighting effects, if you go with one of the crazy ones that's always on and blinking and flashing and, and rippling and you know, then that's going to use more battery. So that's one of the reasons why I've settled on this one too, that ripple effect. Um, and there's a couple actually that are kind of cool is also to preserve the battery life. It looks cool, but it's more efficient as well. And you know, that's one thing I mentioned in the video, you have to charge this thing fairly often if you're using those RGB and you're in wireless mode. So, so yeah, that's kind of a little bit more about how I'm using that on the personal side. I got to give a shout out to all the Indian followers and subscribers out there. Uh, somebody noticed that, uh, I don't know which video it was, but I had an Indian food order. Actually, several people noticed because I don't. I think India is our third largest country by viewership on YouTube. And so, uh, it, you know, I just needed some fake text for something. And so I typed out, you know, one of my sample orders uh, for a restaurant that I'll go to in Indian food. But I've been getting really into India. My wife always liked Indian food. She introduced me to it. And... Over the years, I've grown to like it more and more. Kind of like she introduced me to classic movies, classical movies. And I was like, oh, I can't stand anything old. But then I got to watching it and came to like appreciate it to the point where I was like, oh, yeah, I, I really see the value in some of these classical movies. With Indian, uh, I never grew up on it. And, you know, I was always spice averse, spicy stuff. It was never something that I sought out on purpose. I would always order the mildest possible version of stuff. But in the last 
I don't know, year and a half probably. We've been getting more and more Indian. In fact, we've been on an Indian food tour. We've been hitting all the restaurants around town that are, you know, at least within a half an hour driving distance, um, trying them out and kind of ranking them. And okay. So here's the Indian food that I've been getting really into. Number one, it's all about the samosa. This is an appetizer if you're unfamiliar. Um, it's vegetarian. I'm vegetarian. I think I've told you guys that before. And it's just got some veggies in there and stuff, some nice spices uh, kind of wrapped up in a fried outer shell, I guess that's what it is. I don't know. Someone out there is going to be like, oh, Chris doesn't know what he's talking about. But that's my version of the samosa. This one place that we go, they put this extra spice on there. I've noticed a lot of the places uh, just they make them really small, smaller than I'd want, and plain, right? But this one place, they put this extra, I don't know what it is, some kind of seasoning on the outside. It's so good. It's kind of sweet and savory. Uh, wow, I like it. And by the way, I have no idea how authentic any of this is. I assume it's not super authentic just because I'm not actually in India here, but that is what I start off with. And then anything Gobi, I'm a sucker for Gobi. Gobi is just cauliflower. And so, you know, that's just in general. Like if you're a vegetarian, you go someplace, you, you know, you can go to lots of different Chinese food restaurants. Um, just a lot of people will have an appetizer made out of cauliflower, like breaded or fried or, uh, you can get like uh, cauliflower tempura at like a Japanese restaurant. That's another thing I've been forcing myself to try is sushi, even though, yeah, it's vegetarian, so I know very limited. But there's some good veggie sushi. Uh, if you just go to the grocery store, you know, in the frozen section, you might be able to find like some P.F. Chang's branded uh, cauliflower. What is it? It's not orange cauliflower, but, you know, something. It's like it's always breaded somehow with some kind of good flavoring. So anyways, but but the gobi side of things at the Indian food. So usually I do like aloo gobi, um, which honestly, I don't even know what's all this. I think it's like a tomato something sauce. Uh, and that's real good. And wow, the different places, they really have different takes on it. Uh, you know, cause like if you eat a burger at a burger place, a burger is kind of a burger, a burger, wherever you go, you know, uh, with slight variations. But the aloo gobi, I feel like, wow, people can really have some different takes on it. And I don't know if that has to do with like Northern versus Southern Indian styles, Someone needs to give me a crash course on all this. And of course, there's the naan. That's amazing too, which is just kind of like the flatbread. Usually get the garlic naan. The the gobi that I've really been getting into and the family's been liking is chili gobi. And I think this is sort of a crossover. It's more of like a fusion dish. I don't know if it's straight up Indian or if it's kind of like a fusion dish, but oh wow, chili gobi. Woo. And this is where the spice comes in. Now, my tolerance for spicy stuff has gotten better as I've gotten a little older. And maybe that's my taste buds dying off <laughs> as I try the spicy stuff. I don't know. Because I used to hate it. I used to not be able to stand it. It was the worst. But then uh, as we've been trying some of these out and some of them were like so hot, I was like, I, can, I can't stand it. I'm never ordering that again. But we went back to one of the first Indian places we tried and got everything as mild as possible, right? Because mild at some of these restaurants is, doesn't mean the same thing to them as it does to me, <laughs> as I say mild. So went back, I was like, just give me mild everything. And we got it and it was like flavorless. I, I was like disappointed because it lacked spice, you know? So I have been starting to kind of learn to enjoy the spicy stuff more. I'm surprised to, to say that. Maybe it's just getting familiar with it. I don't know. Uh, there's another thing called dal tadka. I don't know if I'm even pronouncing that right. Um, it's kind of like a lentil based thing. That's been pretty good too. So anyways, yeah, I'm just kind of, when I go anywhere, I always kind of look for the vegetarian options. And uh, eggplant's like another good thing that's I've kind of forced myself to kind of try. Like eggplant parmesan, that's so good. When somebody makes it crispy instead of like chicken parm, eggplant parm at like an Italian restaurant, that is really good. So when I see eggplant somewhere, and I did at one of these Indian places recently, they had like mini eggplants um, in like a some kind of a, I don't know if it's curry sauce or something, but you know, I tried it. And it was okay. It would take me some time to get used to. But those are some of my adventures in Indian food recently. So if you're looking for something new to try, go check those out. Oh, how about some smart home news? Here's something really funny. I think I told you guys that I got a Ratio smart sprinkler controller uh, at the old place. <laughs> this must have been so many podcasts ago, so I don't even know if anyone remembers that. But um, what it is is, like, there's a little box in your garage. That's your sprinkler controller. And usually when you move in, although at this place, um, when we moved in here, they did have one that you could add an antenna to for an extra hundred bucks. 
to make it Wi-Fi compatible, but I didn't want that because I, I had a Ratio controller before and um, they're a Colorado company, so shout out to that. And I really liked it. Uh, so I wanted that and I, I bought it at the beginning of the summer and I didn't get it installed until yesterday. <laughs> I kept saying, man, on, on this Sunday, I got to get this installed. On the weekend, I'm going to do it. And then I never did. But then um, there was somebody from the sprinkler company came and they were looking at stuff and they adjusted my settings. This is what f- finally prompted me to do it. Because when you had new sod, you know, you had to new grass, you have to water it like extra. And he took it off of that program because I had just, just kind of been doing it manually. I hate to say, even though I, I had the ratio, I never set it up. So lazy Chris. But uh, so he adjusted it. And then I felt like the grass was not looking quite as good as it should. So uh, I finally went in. I can't understand some of these controllers, like the rain birds and stuff. They're like anti-tech. They're old tech. They're so old school that it's just like mind-boggling. I'm used to really easy to use stuff, you know, that's app-based. So I ripped that thing out of the wall, installed the new one. It really took, I don't know, 20 minutes tops. It's really super easy. And I'm not the super handiest person, right? But you unscrew the box. uh, You take a picture before you do of where the wires are because each zone goes into a slot like one, two, three, four, five, and you got your C for your you know, control or power, whatever, take a picture, take it off. You don't even have to unplug the power. At least I didn't. (laughs) And then uh, you put the new one on, screw it on and feed the the zones into where they're supposed to go based on your picture and pretty much hook it up to the app and then you're good. And then you can go around and you can take a picture of each zone, you know, so you like start a, a zone and it starts spraying. You take a picture and then you can name it and you tell it what kind of soil is there. Is it on a slope? or not, you know, like uh, a mild slope or a big slope or, you know, it's barely sloping. And anyways, it will factor in for you what the weather's doing. So like if it rains, it can skip your, your raining for you. It's just really awesome. I've been having so much fun. And plus, uh, when somebody's on your property and you don't want them to, you can just turn on that zone or something, you know? <laughs> so uh, you can have a lot of fun with them. But anyways, I've just been loving that. I'm so glad I finally got that installed. If you're looking for smart sprinkler stuff, for smart home stuff, check out the Ratio systems because, wow, I love them. On the Apple news front, have you guys been seeing all these rumors having to do with Apple potentially looking into a new external monitor? But not just an external monitor. And when I say external monitor, I mean one that's more affordable, right, than the $6,000 machine. It sounds like Apple's actually looking at this. Now, I've mentioned before, I don't know if it's on the channel or the podcast, that I would be really interested and Apple coming out with an ultra-wide. I would love an ultra-wide from Apple. Who wouldn't? But I don't think that that's probably the direction that they're going to head. I don't expect that. But they did, you know, the rumors are mentioning something that's really intriguing to me, something I never would have even thought of. And that's the kind of stuff that I like, right, that surprises me. And genuinely, you're like, oh, yeah, why didn't anybody do that before? And what it is, the rumor says, and I don't like covering rumors, but this one I'm extra excited about is that maybe Apple's going to stick a GPU in the monitor, like graphics card capabilities in the monitor. Whoa. So what does that mean? It means, uh, you guys remember, uh, what was the company that was really, was it Blackmagic? Who was making the, the eGPUs there for a while that were so popular, or maybe they weren't that popular, that you plug into your Mac and it gives you, it amps up your graphics capabilities and power. So if you're doing video editing, that might come in handy. If you're trying to do some gaming on a Mac, you crazy person several years ago, that might come in handy. Yeah, can you imagine that? Uh, a, a monitor that is also uh, like an external GPU basically, because you're gonna plug it in anyways. And then, you know, and, and M1s are so crazy already. And, and, you know, if we have the M2s coming out or the M1X, Oh, man, this is just such an exciting time, honestly, to be into Apple stuff. When Apple got serious about the Macs again here in the last, you know, year and a half or two or three or whatever, and the iPad stuff's already awesome. You know, the the phone kind of is what it is uh, for the moment. It's really cool. It's just there's some really cool stuff happening, and I would love to plug one of those monitors into the desk. And I have no idea what it's going to look like. I You can assume that it might have some of the iMac design language, right? And, of course, the new iMacs can drive another display, so, or is it two? Is it two? I don't even remember. But if there's a, and I think I saw this too. There, somebody spotted um, an iMac Pro out in the wild. I think uh, there's like some kind of news about that. That's something I'm really excited about waiting for too. Although I think I do need to get the laptop though, just to be portable for my own workflow. But 
and I know we're in between events here, so <laughs> we're waiting for September to hit so we can finally get some new Apple stuff that we can all talk about and, and be nerdy about. But, and just to temper things, you know, I don't think Apple is a perfect company. I don't like everything that Apple does, but I really, really get into the hardware. And I can't believe that this is the dream job that I get to do. Still, you know, on the on the company front in terms of how to cover this stuff, oh, man, there's a lot of stuff swirling around behind the scenes and just kind of waiting for things to shake out. I, I see other people doing some interesting stuff. I see what Lou did um, with Lou later, and then he rebooted it kind of, or he's doing more of an interview thing. And I see Marquez with his new studio uh, channel. So if you haven't seen that, he's launched a channel with it has like 250,000 subscribers last I checked, almost like overnight. Uh, that's going to feature the other people on on his crew, basically. It's not just going to be about him. It's going to be more about, like, behind the scenes and, and what other people on his team do. I think he's got, what are you, nine people now? Something like that. So that's interesting. I see Sarah Dietschy out there uh, launching a studio, um, and she's going to be renting it out, and it's kind of like the business aspect. And one of my favorite rappers that I listen to, KB, he's also launched a studio that he'll be able to use for his music videos and stuff, but also rent out too. So I, I see a lot of people in different arenas doing that. And there's just a lot of interesting business stuff. I see stuff that I'm interested in doing and dreaming up. Uh, and it's really interesting. And I see how just things change the landscape. We have a lot of people jumping on TikTok. I see McKinnon uploading the same video to TikTok, to Reels on Instagram and to YouTube shorts. Um, people are experimenting. And what I do know is that people are always going to be interested in Apple products and my take on them. What I'm figuring out is where I should be connecting. What's worth my time? Oh, yeah, because we had somebody come up and they're like, hey, I'm not going to go into all the details here, but they're like, hey, you know, we want you to set up a live stream show um, and we can pay you this and you can make this much extra um, and we think it'd be interesting. But then, you know, I'm sitting here and talking it over with my wife and I'm at the point where I just I don't have the time to do extra stuff without hiring people. And I don't know that even if I did, it what what is the right thing to be investing in? That's the thing to figure out because there's some good opportunities. Um, and then there's, this is why it's important, whether you're a brand or you're just a, a single creator, because there's no difference. If you're a creator, you're already an entrepreneur. It's really important to figure out what are the things that drive you? What are the factors? You know, like what's your mission statement? Because you'll have these opportunities pop up. And for instance, I just don't want to be just a salesman, basically. And so this live stream opportunity popped up and it's like, well, I don't know that even if it pays and even if it paid really good, which, you know, that's a, that's a different discussion there. Uh, do I just want to sit there hawking stuff? I, I saw another YouTube person who had made that crossover, uh, on a platform and I just thought I don't want to do that. Like, and he's going through the daily deals, uh, on this platform every day. It just doesn't look fun for an hour going through the daily deals. I, I want to do more with my life. Right. And, uh, so anyways, but it's a big trend though, that's coming. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I've, I've been watching, um, over in Asia, everything is really fueled by, uh, influencers and live streaming, like live stream influencer based shopping. It's huge over there. I, I forget if it's $84 billion that they're doing yearly, with that. And over here, it's more like 1 billion a year. Maybe my numbers are wrong, but just to illustrate, it's, it's a wave that started in China. That's going to come over here or in Asia anyways, it's coming at some point. And I don't know, um, if I want to be on that or I know there's money to be made. And I know that there's land grabs happening right now in terms of opportunities, um, and getting in different places early, uh, when the platforms start investing then, uh, cause they deem, that to be a good opportunity for them. Well, then that means there's some good opportunities for creators as well. But I'm just trying to figure out too, like, what do I want to do and where? But I do know my why. And that's what I was just to circle back. You got to figure out your why about stuff. Even if you're a smaller creator, even if your business is small, um, know your whys because later down the road, like figure out why you're doing this, what your goals are, what you want to accomplish. That helps you parse through when opportunities come and then you don't have to deliberate about like money and, and all these other things. You just know like that's for me or that's not for me. And that's really helpful. And you, you should figure it out now, whatever stage you're at, if you haven't already, before you get to those opportunities. All right. Um, this is kind of fun. It was just a wide ranging chat about all kinds of stuff. I like hanging out with you guys on this podcast. Um, thanks for hanging out with me, even though I missed last week. But speaking of last week, uh, let me just 
say see ya for this week and I'll get you into the next episode, which was from last week. Hey, it's Chris. Welcome to the podcast. I know you guys were expecting this on Friday. Uh, I'm, I'm a little behind, but you got to give me some credit here, right? For getting this recorded on a Sunday on the weekend and still getting it published, produced, created. But I couldn't skip it. I'm getting to the point where I got to do the podcast because I want to do the podcast. I like doing the podcast because I like hanging out with you guys, so to speak. Welcome to everybody that's new around here. I know we've been getting uh, some new listeners and just some new viewers on the YouTube channel. So I just want to say shout out to all the new people who are just hanging out here for the first time. And and also shout out to everybody who's been writing for a while because uh, I appreciate all of you equally. I've had some interesting stuff going on that we can talk about. Let's do some personal stuff first. Then we'll get into Chris's personal. Well, I guess it's all personal, right? That's why you're here. But we'll get into uh, what's going on in my personal Apple ecosystem a little bit as well afterwards. Let me say a note about the last podcast. I edited that thing while I was driving in the car. Well, I wasn't driving. Someone else was driving. That'd be that'd be pretty crazy if I edited that while I was driving. Uh, but no, somebody else was driving, and I edited in the car because it was just busy, and I had to fit it in somewhere. And, man, I, I hate doing that. Sometimes I edit a video in the car, sometimes a podcast. But I don't look forward to doing that. It, actually, I forget. I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll do that in the car, and it'll be cool. I'll save some time. But I always forget that the car ride isn't always super smooth. And when you go to make a cut, for instance, whether it's video or audio, and you, you know, if there's like some silence that you need to edit out, or you said something stupid, or, you know, you just said, um, too much, you got to cut those things out. And when you go to make a cut in the car, and you hit a bump, even a little bump, it moves where you're going to hit, uh, where you're actually going to click, and it ends up messing up like several times. So you got to keep a couple fingers on Command Z because you're going to have lots of mistakes, and it just takes a little bit longer. And then you add in glare from the sun on the screen, and and then you add in your battery life. You're fighting against the battery because if you're editing anything with video, audio aside. If there's a video component, that's going to drain your battery a lot faster. And so these three factors really add up to not a very fun editing experience. But anybody who's a content creator has been there. There's times when you, you've got to be editing on the plane or in the car or in the back of the Uber. And back of the Uber is like really crazy. And that was me for the last podcast episode. But that's how dedicated I am to making sure that I get this thing out every week. That's what I'm after. I finish with under 10% battery or under 15 for sure in those situations. So, and that's definitely what happened this last time. I barely finished. I don't think I exported because I don't think it would have survived the export. I got the edit done and then I waited until I was out of place uh, with some internet where I could actually get it exported. But it was a close call. Here's something that happened this week that was crazy. Well, since the last time I did the podcast, we had an internet outage and... I had no idea what it was. It was hard for me to track down where the actual problem was, but it's hard to be a content creator, someone whose job depends on uploading something at various times throughout the week and not have internet. So we have pretty good high-speed it's gig internet, which is a big upgrade because the last place that I lived, we didn't even have gig as an option. And I used to, I think, I think the best speed that we could even get if we wanted to upgrade fully was like 60 down and 10 up or something. It was, it was really slow for, for my kind of work. And I remember I had to format videos in a very special way. I had to compress them in HVEC format so that I could even get them uploaded in a timely fashion. Because if I didn't do that, I would have to upload videos like overnight and hope that it finished uploading in the morning. It was terrible. So now I can go from that and having to compress stuff to being able to actually upload a full high quality video in like two minutes. So it's been great when it works. Unfortunately, all of a sudden the internet went out this week and you know what you do, you go and you unplug the router usually and the equipment, let it sit for a few seconds, plug it back in, hope that that resets things. And of course that easy fix didn't work. So I did the next thing, which was I called the internet company, the ISP and you know, they vary in how good the customer support is. Sometimes there's a recording and you enter in your address, you verify your address and it's like, oh yeah, there's an outage or there's no outage. And and so anyways, and some, ours actually has an app where you can log in too and it'll tell you, yeah, you're good to go or you're not. But I called 
and verified. And they said, nope, there's no issues. So for me, I'm like, okay, well, crap, it's the router then, right? And I think I had described to you guys previously the router that I got. I got a really nice router. You know, I, I splurged a little bit on it because my business relies so much on the internet. And it was like a $700 uh, mesh router system. It was the Orbi, actually. Oh, and I got something to tell you about Orbi in a second. And uh, man, I was tearing apart my network, trying to figure out what the problem was, you know, because it wasn't a problem with the ISP. So, you know, I actually ended up resetting my network and just having to set it all up from scratch again, trying to anyways, still no progress. So I end up calling technical support for the router. So it's Orbi, but it's actually owned by Netgear. You guys, Netgear was going to charge me. You get three months of support. And remember, I paid like 700 bucks for this crazy Wi-Fi 6 system, right? Which absolutely flies when it works. And you get three months of free support, it turns out. And this is not on the box that I re recall seeing. But they wanted to sell me a plan for like $150 for a year's worth of support. Or it was like there's a two-year plan they were trying to get me off for over $200, just for the support on my router. And so that ticked me off. And I'm sitting there telling my wife about it. And she's like, well, that just incentivizes them to make a bad product then because then they'll sell you this support subscription, make more money off of that, which I thought was a, a very good point. So I'm really mad at Netgear and Orbi in particular. I know Orbi's been out there sponsoring some people, some other tech YouTubers over the last couple of years, it seems like. I'm not gonna name some names, but that's a sponsorship I would never take because just for the support, you, you can't have support like that. So, it, you know, after that, I was like, forget it. I went to Best Buy, I picked up uh, an Asus, 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 I never know how to pronounce it, router. And this was a much cheaper, so it was like 250 bucks. Still nice, still mesh, still Wi-Fi 6. But from what I could tell, uh, I don't know what the support is like, but it didn't seem like they were gonna charge. So I get back and I'm trying to get that all set up. And guess what, still not working. So called back to the ISP and guess what? There was an internet outage in my area after all. Well, thank you ISP for not telling me before I went out and messed up my router and had to buy a new one. So at this point they're like, yeah, there is an issue in your area and it's gonna be like two or three days before we can get that fixed for you. So mm, that's not good, right? I got some videos to upload, I got some content to upload. So I'm starting to think, man, where can I go to get this uploaded. And also, what kind of content can I create where I don't need to show off anything internet related? That was the other thing, because I had some content planned, but then it turns out, well, hey, if I'm filming this stuff and showing, I actually need the internet to show off whatever this app is or whatever. So it was really throwing a wrench in the daily tech system. So I started researching, well, what are some coffee shops that have decent Wi-Fi? Because it's been so long since I've been out like working at a coffee shop, even though you would think I'd be there all the time, right? due to my love of coffee. I was like, you know, last time I was at Starbucks, I think they had Google and it was like, okay, but I don't know if I could really upload a video on that. It's okay for like, you know, downloading some website content, you know, or shooting off an email, but can I really upload there? And would they even let me? Would they have like some kind of uh, system to detect uh, someone hogging the bandwidth? I don't know. So I'm doing some internet sleuthing and, and trying to figure out like where, what's my backup plan? And you know what? It turns out, that Dunkin' Donuts, if you're not here in the US, Dunkin' Donuts is just what it sounds like. It's a it's a donut chain, except they're becoming more and more like Burger Kingy, uh, I feel like, uh, and more coffee shoppy than just a donut place like they used to be. But all the, the reviews are saying, no, Dunkin' Donuts is way faster than Starbucks. Starbucks is like second, ranked second. And so I was like, okay, there's some Dunkin's around. I guess I'll go try to set up there if I have to, if it comes down to it. But it never did. Finally, the tech came out and he's like, hey, there's some new construction in the area and somebody cut through the main node wire coming into the neighborhood. I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding. And so anyways, I, I figured he would just get it set up and taken care of. I was like, well, come in and check it out. He's like, well, actually I'll start outside at the box outside. I was like, okay. And I thought he would just check that real quick and come in. No, it was like an hour later. It turns out there was a problem at, a, at the box too, just at the house. So there's two problems, double whammy, which I kind of wondered because in between him coming out and me being at Best Buy and getting that new thing set up, the internet suddenly came back on. So I think he, somebody had come out and fixed the neighborhood Wi-Fi, but I wasn't getting the full speeds that I should have. 
just plugged directly into the modem on the wall, I was getting 800 megs down instead of the full thousand that I should have been getting. So I knew something was a little bit weird because I almost didn't have somebody come out. I was like, oh, it's fixed. You know, I'll just, I'll just use it. But then it wasn't quite firing on all cylinders. So anyways, he comes out and it turns out the person who had originally installed it, the gig internet, had spliced something together incorrectly, which I can't believe that either because they were here. It was like a six hour installation. So yeah, that was kind of, uh, you know, sometimes you can get a little anxious about stuff as a content creator because there can be, you know, bad things happen to everybody periodically. This would be an example. For me in particular, we're kind of in between Apple events. I'm just giving you a window into my mind as a content creator. We're kind of in between Apple events. There's not really a whole lot of new stuff to be talking about, which is usually when I break out the unbelievably useful apps types of videos and, and other stuff besides just the reviews and and you know just talking about new stuff, breakdowns and comparisons. So this was not a good time for the internet to go out because you know, some of the legacy content that keeps the channel afloat was kind of floating down in the views a little bit. And that that just happens. Like there's waves of views and those waves kind of crest and then go down and and it kind of gives you a, a kick in the pants to like get some new content up that's gonna be good because you have some content. It is whatever level you're at, you always have some kind of this pillar content that is gonna just outperform everything else. And more or less at any given time, a few videos, a handful of videos, they may basically be your channel for a while. And you have other content that's just kind of there and it, you know it's not gonna get as many views, you know, and it almost doesn't matter if you make it or not, but you make it because the hardcore fans are gonna watch it, but it's not gonna appeal to the biggest, you know, mainstream audience. And anyways, just due to a variety of factors, this was not a good time for the internet to be going out because I wanted to and needed to get some new content up, but even if I wanted to, it was gonna be hard to make because no internet and also hard to distribute because no internet. So anyways, that was kind of crazy. And on the personal front, uh, without internet, you realize just how dependent you get on it. You know, just trying to watch some something on Netflix, I had to pipe in over my 5G, which of course decided to be 4G uh, during this time, and then do a personal hotspot to all the different devices around the house. And so anyways, <laughs> I'm trying to watch something on Netflix while I'm exercising on the treadmill and it's taking forever. And then when it comes in, it's like pixely. Uh, it's just, it was not a fun time not having the internet for half a week. And let me just cap this off. I saying, don't get an Orbi. Don't, don't buy net gear. Don't support that. That kind of support is unsupportable. Here's an interesting story. The family went out on a walk and we were at a lake, really enjoying it. And then all of a sudden we kind of noticed a storm off in the background. And we're like, oh, that's that's interesting. I see some rain. and But it was sunny where we were. And it turned out to be like a five-mile walk around this lake. So it was uh, not just a quick walk, you know. And the storm started getting closer and closer. And we kind of checked the weather. And it's just this tiniest little cell was heading our way. It just was like pinpointing where we were is where it was coming. No clouds anywhere else on the radar. But it was a fierce little storm. And so we're starting to like hurry up and try to get around, but we're like halfway and it starts raining and not just raining, it was pouring. We got absolutely soaked and it wasn't fun. I started seeing all the boats. Some of them were like kayaks. It was a no wake lake. So what that means no, no motorized boats allowed, right? There's some paddle boarders and there's some kayaks, some canoe people, you know, fishing type of people. And they all start heading uh, trying to, you know, passed us, trying to get back to the shore. And we're like, oh, great. Because the lake was big enough that it hit further down and worked its way towards us. So I'm seeing everybody, almost like birds running away from a storm, all these boats heading back to the shore. And we're like, oh, great. Well, I, I thought we were going to make it back to the shore by the time the rain hit, but no, which really wasn't a big deal. It was kind of fun. There was no lightning, you know, so it was almost, it could have kind of been an interesting experience, except had some nice new Nike shoes on that I just bought recently and they're Nike Airs and I didn't think anything of it other than, oh, well, you know, it's not too big of a deal to get wet, right? But we get back uh, and then the next day I throw those Nikes on and they've developed a huge squeak uh, and it's a, it's a disproportionate squeak. Like one squeaks a little bit and the other one squeaks a lot when you wear it. So I'm kind of disappointed now because I just got these nice shoes, really comfortable, Liked, um, in fact, 
Everyone liked it. And I was getting all kinds of compliments on it. Oh, hey, cool shoes. <laughs> but now when I walk, it's like, just not cool. Can't be walking around in public squeaking. So I ordered some new shoes, which, uh, you know, poor Chris, you know, he's getting some new shoes, right? I'm not trying to complain in that way, but I went with something different. I went not with Nikes, not with Adidas. By the way, someone made fun of me for wearing an Adidas hat the other day. I think people think, oh, Chris is too old for Adidas now. Look, Adidas was a thing back when I was younger too, right? Before it, and then it sort of went out of fashion, I feel like. And then it really came back in the last couple of years. But no, 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 no. You can't make fun of me for wearing Adidas because it, that was a thing way before it was a thing. But, you know, I don't know. I was just getting kind of tired of Nike and Adidas, Nike and Adidas, which, you know, they make some good stuff, right? Comfy, stylish, but sometimes you're just in the mood to not just go super mainstream with it. That's me a lot of the time. In fact, if it was easier to find some other cool shoe brands that weren't so mainstream, I would do that more often or for anything, name anything. I talk about that with like Mac stuff. It used to not be very cool to have a Mac and, and then all of a sudden it was like the cool thing for a while and I'm not really sure how society in general views Apple stuff right now because I'm so immersed in it. But I tend to like the non-mainstream stuff. Name the thing, and I, I tend to like the non-mainstream. So I found a, a decent shoe brand. I'll, I'll try them out, and I'll let you know if they're any good uh, once they arrive. Oh, you know, here's something really interesting. I had a crazy migraine the other day. And I've had migraines for a while. You know, it's been part of my life for at least a decade pretty decently bad migraines had some prescription medicine for it or whatever i gotta tell you this is this is an apple tie-in with the migraines this is and, and everyone's migraines are so different right and so this is not like a blanket statement what i'm about to say but uh i've noticed that for some of the migraines that i've had in the last uh, i don't know the last year maybe sounds have been kind of a trigger that make it worse for some people it can be light uh, but for me for some of these migraines just like the littlest sounds sometimes will just get on my nerves. And I realized that with the last one, I was like, you know, I have some really great noise canceling headphones. Why don't I just try those and block out some of those sounds that are seem to be making this headache a little bit worse. So I threw on the AirPods Max and it was like bliss. Uh, I'm not going to say that it cured that migraine, but it felt like it was, I don't know, 70 or 80% better when I was blocking out those noises which is something that never occurred to me. Sometimes I ice the head or sometimes, you know, it's only like sleep. I have to sleep it off to get rid of it. But I think I'm onto something. I discover something. I'm sure somebody else out there has had a similar experience and like, duh, Chris. But wow, putting on the AirPods Max, which for me are comfy. Some people are like, no, they squeeze the head a lot or they're just uncomfortable. They've been great for me. You can check out my review to see me raving about them. But that's my new thing. Whenever I get a migraine, I'm going to slap those on because... I felt so much better when I had those. And it wasn't just, it lasted after I took them off. It's like it helped me get, calm down the migraine or something and get to the point where without medicine, I think maybe I took some medicine too, but I, I know what that's like. So I'm not conflating the two. I know the effect that actual medicine has versus the effect that this had. Wow, that really helped with my migraine. And that's no joke. I've been doing something interesting lately, but some people are gonna be like, Oh, seriously? But I've been trying to replace gaming with reading because I don't have a whole lot of time. And I when I I used to like game to relax a little bit, but then it would take over a little too much. You know, I'd find myself relaxing too much uh, with the gaming. It depends on the game, right? If you've ever been into gaming, then it just, it takes the right game to just throw you off your schedule because then you want to be gaming more often than you should. And that was happening for me, mostly with Call of Duty Mobile on the iPad. I, I was going to make a whole video about it, but I was like, no, I really shouldn't. But I, I, and before that, I've had several other games that I really got into and I was just doing too much of it. And it was like, man, if I was using that time that I was gaming to do something else more productive, then I'd be a lot smarter or I, my business will have advanced a lot more or I could name any number of different areas that I could use that time that was, you know, wasted basically gaming. I mean, it's entertainment. There's room for entertainment in somebody's life, right? But if you can find something else that you enjoy 
that will have a, a benefit aside from just you enjoyed it, then I figured, hey, that would be worth trying out and pursuing. So I've been really uh, enjoying reading instead of gaming. I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people. They're like, seriously, reading a book instead of playing a game? It's, it can't even be comparable. But I have found if you have the right subject matter, then you can get just as into it as you would be into a game. And for me, I've sort of gamified the experience, which, you know, I don't know if you've run into this concept of gamification. It's been around for at least over a decade, but where you take something that would otherwise be kind of ordinary or mundane and you add some gaming aspects to it. I've kind of done that with reading for my own self because one thing I like about gaming is the multiplayer aspect. I've talked to guys about that before, but with reading, there is kind of a multiplayer about it because I notice a lot of the people that I really respect online uh, or just in the real world too, I guess online is a real world too, right? But a lot of the people that I really respect are huge readers. They read a lot. And there was a, an interesting quote. I, I mentioned this in the recent iPad apps video. Um, it's from David Perel. And he was talking about reading is kind of like collecting the dots. And then writing is kind of like connecting the dots, collecting the dots, connecting the dots. And just a lot of the intellectuals that I follow, um, they have collected a lot of dots. It's just obvious and also connected a lot of dots. And so I was like, you know what? This is something that I want to aspire to. I want to read more. And for me, I'm, I'm a huge audible person and podcast person. And I've talked about how I love listening at one and a half or two times speed to stuff and really cramming a lot of information in and fitting it into my schedule that way. And, and I couldn't do that otherwise uh, for certain things. But I've also realized that Audible stuff, it, it's not really good for that collecting for me because I like to highlight stuff and then be able to reuse those highlights. So for me, literally, when I highlight something, when I'm reading, and I've been reading on a Kindle, then that is literally the collection of a dot when I make a highlight. And there's different things you can do with that. You can export your Kindle highlights and put them in a notes app, or you can put them into Readwise, which I've talked about on the channel before. And that will actually resurface things that you found valuable, either in a newsletter or through an alert and help you remember stuff that you thought was cool at some point. If sometimes I, I start a book and I realize this isn't the book for me, but, uh, and you know what you got to do then you have to return it. And if you get it on Amazon or audible, you know, they have pretty good return policy is really easy. So if you start down a book path and it's not for you, just return it, find something else, try something else. But once you get into something uh, that you find really interesting, I have found myself wanting to be done with something work related and go pick up the book and start reading. It's been that engrossing and that interesting to me. And some people are like, well, obviously, and I feel like especially for older generations than I, that, you know, reading has been a big part of life, but I feel like today in today's digital world, uh, gaming has been a very big part of a lot of people's lives to the point where reading has really been pushed aside. But I just want to say, um, it's something worth trying. I think for me, I've been going through some history books. I tend to get into some stuff on the philosophy side of things that I feel like, uh, people would find maybe kind of boring, but I like to get into topics of science too or um, theology, sometimes just, you know, stuff examining society, some social anthropo anthropological stuff too. But anyways, yeah, I've been tearing through some books and reading quite often. I've got a lot of stuff added to my wish list, and I wish that I had done this a lot earlier because it's just, it's honestly, it's been a game changer. It's been a life changer making the switch from gaming specifically to reading, and I feel like I'm getting a lot more for my time now. It's knowledge that time isn't spent just entertaining. I'm enjoying it, so it is entertaining, but I'm learning and it's knowledge that's increasing my capacity to do things. Whether it's for the business, whether it's just as a person, whether it's just my capacity to understand the bigger picture of life and the world and the universe. It's been great, so it's something I would encourage you to try. If, and it doesn't have to be gaming. If there's some other thing that you've kind of been doing for entertainment, maybe it's just Netflix or YouTube, man, switch it out for books. Find a book that you really like and, and take your time. 
if you get the digital version, it's really, really honestly easy to return stuff, but give it a try and let me know on Twitter what the results are. Something that's very uh, Apple related in that I covered it in my iPad apps video was an app called Jarvis. And this app has blown my mind. It's an app that uses artificial intelligence to help you do some writing. Now it doesn't write for you. It's really not designed to replace writing, to be your just personal secretary or something and, and write for you. But it's kind of been billed as something for marketers in particular, but anybody that's a content creator, even for video people, it can help you come up with a script, um, but it can help you write an email, especially a cold email. It can improve your sentences. You can uh, write a sentence and say, hey, make this easier to understand for people and set a grade level for like third grade or fifth grade or something. And it will simplify it using only vocabulary that's gonna make sense to somebody of a certain grade level. You can use it to write articles and blog posts. And anyways, it has all these awesome uses. And I talked more about it and gave some demos. <laughs> I, there's a really funny uh, story that I showed because um, it has a creative story mode. So you can just kind of give it a sentence or two of a, of a starting scenario for a story and it will spit out three different copies or five different copies of, of a story for you. Um, and I had one that was coffee related with uh, coffee machine robots taking over the world. And it wrote a hilarious story because you can change the tone. You can say witty or casual or serious or whatever. And man, I, I just discovered this app and I've just been having so much fun with it. And I'll leave a link to it uh, in the description so you can check it out. But you guys know, I've, I've been talking a little bit about hiring and I find that there's different reactions to this app. Uh, some people that I talk to in the, I'm talking about in real life because I've been showing it off to everybody. Some people are like, wow, that is cool. And then other people are like, but what, is, what are the implications here? This seems like it's a bad thing. I, I feel like people should be writing more and not having machines write for them. And I get it, I get both views. And for me too, it's kind of like, man, this is a strange new world that we're living in, you know, with this technology. And I get a lot of people who are like, well, man, this is 10 years too late for me. Cause if I had had this in high school, the implication being that, you know, you basically could have cheated with it. But I think, in fact, I was talking to a teacher and they're like, well, won't students be using this in the wrong way? And I was like, no, it costs a little bit and it costs enough that I don't think students are really gonna be paying for it. But as a business owner, uh, you know, there was a time when I felt like maybe I need to hire some writers or a writer to, and, and I'm torn, like, do I want an editor first? Do I want a writer? Do I want another person to like co-host with me? Or do I just need somebody who can do a little bit of everything? I really don't know. Or just an intern, I, I'm still undecided. But I had considered going down the path of needing a writer because sometimes I miss blogging too. Daily Tech started as a blog and I feel like the blogging of today is really to have a Substack rather than an actual blog or a review newsletter from, which is owned by Twitter now. But sometimes I miss writing, but I just haven't had the time. And I've been really testing this thing out and I'm gonna put together some guides uh, and I'm gonna use this to help me put those guides together and kind of report back, I think. I'll, I'll make this available somewhere on my, my deeper experience with Jarvis. I might even make another video on it, a, a more in-depth video. But I find that the, the people who are afraid of this replacing people shouldn't really be so far because you, you still need somebody to really direct it. And sometimes the things that it spits out are still ridiculous. Like it, it almost got what you wanted it to do, but it didn't quite understand it and you have to have it rewrite it. Or um, oftentimes it's just a good way to get around writer's block. So you're writing and you're five paragraphs deep and you're kind of like, well, where do I go from here? And you can hit command J and Jarvis will spit out a new paragraph for you. Like, oh yeah, and then, then it sparks an idea. And you can either keep what it said or you can redo it or tweak it or delete it and just be like, okay, I know the direction I wanna head now. But I'm absolutely fascinated by it. And, and I feel like for me, and the reason I'm talking about hiring too, this, I don't think this would replace having an actual writer for me. In fact, I know it wouldn't. There's no way that, because still I'm having to go in and direct it and I'm having to supervise things and it's really supplemental for me as a writer versus having an actual writer. So I think people's fears of, well, this is dumb, it, you know, you should have real people writing are overblown, at least for this program, because, because no, it won't function as an employee for you. But it is making me, I feel like, more productive as a writer. And I think that's what's, that's where the market is. 
And that's what's valuable about it. So it's really cool. I, I paid for the higher level, which gives me boss mode. And so instead of having just the templates to run off of, I can go in and I can say, and the templates are like, you know, write a intro blog paragraph or, you know, write an Instagram description for me or, you know, come up with a headline for a blog post or whatever. But boss mode is a little different in that you can tell Jarvis what you want it to do and it will do it. So you can say, give me a 15 point outline on whatever the subject is. And it will give you some starter points, kind of like build the outline. Then it's up to you to kind of flesh it out. Or you can say, just give me the clincher here, the, the last paragraph to cinch everything up. And it can spit that out. And not just that, but it'll give you three or four versions or five, however much you want to choose from. And they'll all be different. It's just crazy. So I don't know. It's hard to put into words. On the one hand, it's, in, it's incredible what it can do. And on the other hand, you have to realize that it is limited and it really is just an aid. But I'm absolutely loving it. I'm fascinated. Uh, it's, it's not free, but I find that I'm going to continue paying for it because it's kind of paying for itself. It is for me. For, it's made me more productive without having to hire somebody. And it, it won't replace hiring somebody, but it has made me literally more productive. And I like it. So I'll link it up for you guys in the description. I do want to give you guys a heads up. I've been thinking a little bit about reviving Apple Hype. Uh, but not, so it's taken a few different forms, right? There was the original Apple Hype, and that was three links. One was an app recommendation. One was an accessory recommendation. One was the one news story that I thought you should know about that day. It took me not too much time because I encountered those things organically, and I saved them, and then I could just pick the best of the best and just, you know, create a link every day. But I ran into some problems. So, and then later it morphed into kind of a video podcast thing. And I think I've discussed how that just stole too much time from, you know, the other content that I was creating and I had to shut that down. But I feel like the, the really cool thing that I did was that first version. And the thing that people really liked about it, and I've been kind of polling people on Twitter, what did they like about it? That first version with the links. And what they say is it was just, straight to the point and it was useful. Like I found really good stuff from those links and it didn't waste my time because it was literally just three linked sentences. That's it. And the whole thing behind it, the, the way that I ended up creating that was, you know, when I was a blogger, when Daily Tech was a blog, you know, blogging morphed from just writing an article to having to be search engine optimized. And these wars ensued where, um, you know, things like wire cutter came along or the suite setup where the articles that recommended something, maybe an app for instance, or, or a certain product, what's the best phone for you or what's the best uh, note taking app for whatever. The articles got so long that it was ridiculous. And I thought to myself, this is so dumb. All I really need is just the, the point, get to the point. But these articles where they start out with like, why are we even writing this? Why should you trust us about this before you even get into the introduction, you know, to the thing? And they just were like mini books and it was ridiculous. So I was like, hey, I don't need to play the search engine optimization game because I have an audience already. So I will just build a resource that does just get to the point and I'll direct my audience to get there. I don't need to play that search engine optimization game. And the audience loved it, it worked for them because it didn't waste their time. It was easier for me because it also, I didn't have to sit there and write out a book you know, that should have just been a short article either and play the Google game. And there were some other interesting things um, that came into play that really made it a super unique experience that nobody else was even thinking about creating because they were playing the SEO game and other games. There are some other games too. One of the constraints that uh, hit me though when I was putting that together, when I think about redoing it is, you know, I'm a, I come from a design background, so I could design something pretty cool. I feel like, but I don't have a coding background. Coding is just not for me. I think we've talked about this. And so, you know, I went down the website builder route and, I, and that was the other thing. I made it a website instead of an app for these same reasons. And um, so I, I, I ran into issues like I couldn't schedule the stuff that I was publishing. And I would actually literally physically have to go in and make stuff the day of and hit publish rather than being able to schedule. And that was really constraining. And there were some other constraints too that I ran into. And I was like, you know what? 
what if I had just worked with a developer? What constraints would disappear? And how could I actually even make this even more uh, simple and brief and bare bones and useful, both for other people and for me as the person doing it? And the ideas started flowing. And I'm really excited. And I feel like I am going to go down a, a new route with it and revive it for what it originally was, but better, hopefully. And I'm just, I can't wait to build it and share it with you guys because it's going to be amazing. Um, you know, I was going to end up talking about more uh, what's going on at the Apple News, but I've hit my 45 minute limit. And so I'm going to have to sign off for right now. That's something I'm really working on is, is constraining my time because I actually feel like one thing that helps me do the podcast is being like, okay, I don't know how long this is going to take, you know, so I don't even know if I should sit down and do it. But if I'm like, no, I'll record for 30 minutes and it's just going to be whatever it is or 45 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever I feel like I have time for and just keep a constraint there, then that helps me mentally know that I can actually do the podcast rather than thinking I need to come up with stuff that'll fill up an hour um, or whatever. And I think it's been working out okay. I think you guys would prefer having a podcast, whatever it ends up being, that versus, uh, hey, Chris got overwhelmed, so he didn't actually produce it this week, right? Uh, so yeah, uh, thanks for hanging out. I'll catch you guys in the next video. Later.